Hello and welcome to the Light from Light podcast with me, Daniel, and I'm joined by... Me, Brother Thomas Therese, comma OP. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back, everyone. Welcome back and Merry Christmas as well, I think. Yeah, Merry we, Christmas. We this should be going out on Christmas <laughs> Day, shouldn't it? Yeah, we might, we might, Excellent. Might, even, might be Christmas Eve, but yeah, it's Merry Christmas to you, Brother Thomas, and to... A very listeners. Merry Christmas to you too. At the moment, we're recording before Christmas, so maybe I should say Merry Christmas when the time comes. But of course, when this goes out, I think it will probably be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope everybody has a very, a very Merry Christmas. I'll, we'll very much be keeping our listeners in our prayers over the Christmas period and praying for your mm. your intentions very much so. Uh, and how pray long for is us too. The... Yeah, please, <laughs> please. Please pray for us. <laughs> how long is the Christmas period? Oh, my gosh. Now you're testing me. It depends who you ask. Uh, so you have the octave, the, the Christmas octave, where you celebrate Christmas every, basically every single day. Then you have like Christmas tide, uh, which uh, it depends. You know, some people would sort of celebrate Christmas tide up until the, the baptism of the Lord, and some people will celebrate Christmas tide up until um, the feast of the presentation on the second of February. Um, I'm always in favor of, you know, celebrating these things as long as possible, you know. Well, you know that that Christmas song. Which one? I wish it could be Christmas every day. Well, it is Christmas every day for eight days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think there's something true in that. And also, you know, um, what's it called? Charles Dickens, uh, who's, you know, let Christmas, you know, live on in your heart, that sort of spirit, you know, all year round. There's this fantastic quote that I absolutely love from A Christmas Carol. And Scrooge's nephew, Fred, says, uh, he says this, There are many things from which I might have derived good, by which I have not profited, I dare say, returned to the nephew. Christmas among the rest, but I am sure I have always thought of Christmas time, when it has come around, apart from the veneration due to its sacred name and origin, if anything belonging to it can be apart from that as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time, the only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people below them as though they were really fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. Therefore, Uncle Scrooge, though it has never put a scrap or gold of silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good, and I say, God bless it. Now, of course, in today's in, in today's world, people very often exchange, you know, gold and silver and exchange money for, for Christmas gifts. But I think there's something very true in that. And this spirit of Christmas should be reigning in our hearts and in our lives all the year round. You know, Advent is that time of penance and repentance when we turn back. Uh, away from our unkind, unforgiving, uncharitable, unpleasantness, uncourteous ways of, of being. And we turn back to being kind, forgiving, charitable and pleasant and, and courteous with each other. And this should stay with us for the whole year through. So I'm very much in favour of living Christmas every day. But of course, today's subject is John's gospel uh the Christ, you know christmas in john's gospel and one of the things actually i want to talk about a little bit later is how john presents jesus as this transformative present this transformative gift which which i think transforms us and and all the year through not just for this period of christmas 
But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves before we get onto that. So what are we talking about today, Dan? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we're talking about John's gospel. So obviously we spent time in Matthew and Luke's accounts of mm. the, the Christmas, the infancy narr- narratives, the birth of Jesus. So now we're going to spend time with John's gospel, which is a bit unusual because I think some yes. people would, would consider John's gospel as not have anything about the infancy narratives, not anything mm. about Jesus' birth. <laughs> But <laughs> yes, I, I, I think I think John does provide a deep Christmas story. Yeah, in, he does, especially yeah. in this first chapter. That you know, this first chapter, there's a lot of important things that are going on, and I think they actually complement Luke and Matthew's Christmas accounts. Yes, and this is exactly why the church gives the what we call John's prologue or that first bit in the first chapter of of John's Gospel. This this is why the church gives us that to read as the gospel at midnight mass on christmas day one thing that lots of people don't realize is that depending on what mass you go to at christmas you might actually have a different gospel reading you know you might have christmas in luke you might have christmas in matthew you might have christmas in john and of course the church years and cycles and everything uh we have three years of cycles for weekdays we have uh i think is it a two-year cycle for oh i'm gonna get them the wrong way wrong way around aren't i it's either we have a two-year cycle for weekdays and a three years for weekends or it's the other way around and i always forget which it's terrible but there we have it anyway when we go to midnight mass now it's on record it's on record it's on record to, yeah to <laughs> i'll never live it down one of those many things um the yeah when we go to midnight mass the gospel that we have is what i would call christmas in john's gospel john's gospel doesn't have an infancy narrative like matthew and like luke but i think it would be a mistake i think to say that john's gospel does not talk about christmas it'd be a mistake to say that john's gospel does not talk about the birth and conception of christ it just does it in a different way and all of the the material that we find in in john's gospel again complements what we find in matthew and luke it's not conflictual it's something which yeah complements their accounts you know matthew takes us uh, a certain place with his genealogy luke takes us a certain place with his genealogy well john takes us even earlier john goes back to the beginning of time in fact actually before the beginning of the time it might actually be worth actually reading john's got john's prologue it's so short compared to the others do, do you think we could do that have we got let's go for it yeah let's go for it okay yeah have you got it to hand there you got it yes i've got it this is the beginning of the gospel according to saint john in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning through him all things came to be not one thing had its being but through him All that came to be had life in him, and that life was the light of men, a light that shines in the dark, a light that darkness could not overpower. A man came sent by God. His name was John. He came as a witness, as a witness to speak for the light, so that everyone might believe through him. He was not the light, only a witness to speak for the light. The word was the true light that enlightens all men, and he was coming into the world. He was in the world that had its being through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own domain, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. To all who believe in the name of him, who was born not out of human stock, or urge of the flesh, 
or will of man, but of God himself. The word was made flesh, he lived among us, and we saw his glory. The glory that is his, as the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John appears as his witness. He proclaims, This is the one of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he existed before me. Indeed, from his fullness we have, all of us, received, yes, grace in return for grace, since through the law, since though the law was given through Moses, grace and truth have come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is the only Son who is nearest to the Father's heart who has made him known. So that's the beginning of John's Gospel. And we see right from the beginning, John takes us back earlier than Matthew, earlier than Luke. It's not just, you know, Adam, the son, who is the son of God. It's not just all the way back to Abraham. It's in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. So distinct from the father, the son is distinct from the father. And the word was God. So Jesus is divine. And then we have the word became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, one thing that I'm, I, I know, you know, what's the word that's used there for dwelt among us, Dan? Is it tabernacled? <laughs> it's tabernacled. Yes, exactly. So obviously the, the, the tabernacle for us as Catholics has a very significant, um, has a very significant meaning because of course, every Catholic church, um, uh, every Catholic parish church at least, has a tabernacle. And this is where the blessed sacrament is reserved. So this is where the, the, the one who is the word who became flesh, who gave his flesh for us and gives his flesh to us to, to consume in the Eucharist. Uh, this is, is, again, a reminder that God still dwells with his people. His promise at the end of the Gospel of Matthew is fulfilled. Behold, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age, even to the end of time. So God tabernacles with his people. He dwells with his people. And this is John using another image that we didn't talk about when we were talking about Matthew and Luke. And this is the image of the bridegroom. And you see this in the Song of Songs. You see this in the Old Testament, how Israel, how, how God's people are God's beloved. God loves them so much that he desires to dwell with them. You know, it reminds me of Aristotle when he talks about friendship and he talks about how there's this unitive dimension. You want to become one with the other. You want to dwell with them. You want to live with them. You want to share your life with them. And this is what God wills for his people. He desires friendship with us. He desires to become one with us and to share our life and for us to share in his life. And so he crosses that bridge that we cannot cross. He becomes flesh for us to dwell with us and to bring his offer of friendship and union with him. So this image of the of the bridegroom is very, very important, and it's right there at the beginning of John's Gospel. Some people actually say that this part of John's Gospel, the prologue, is like a, um, a truncated version of the whole Gospel. This is why we call it a prologue. It's, you know, telling us what's sort of happening throughout the whole story, like, in it, like, it, like glasses through which to read the text, a lens through which you see everything else. So, for example, when in the prologue it says... I think it's John 1, 5, uh, when it says about the darkness did not understand the light or the darkness did not overcome the light. 
there we're remembering how Jesus was rejected by his own, rejected uh, by the world, but he was not overcome by it. So whilst he was he was he was not understood, um, his own knew him not, as we as we read there. The darkness also did not overcome him. So also sin and death did not overcome him. So there we're, we're pointing forward again to the resurrection right at the very beginning. So you have this beautiful understanding of God's providence, God's providential love, and how God desires to love his people and be with his people, to offer friendship to all. And so here again, we have, you know, he gave power to become children of God to all who believe in the name of him, to become one of his household, to become one of his family to all who believe in him. We see this great expansive then part of the love of God, similar then to what we see in Matthew's gospel when he's talking about the Gentiles and, and, and also Luke's gospel sort of further on when he talks about the, 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 the Gentiles and things. And uh, Matthew's genealogy when he has lots of sort of what a lot of people might call shady characters in there. Well, here we have he gave the power to become children of God to all who believe in his name to all who accept him so you see the expansive nature of the of the love of god of the friendship of god offered to all people is it's beautiful i think one of the things that strikes me if we were comparing the this prologue with the christmas stories that we've heard about in matthew and luke is that matthew and luke are talking about how the plan of god has stretched back through generations but uh, john goes further to say actually it stretched back to before the created world and he shows that by referring to this, you know, this great phrase, in the beginning was the word. So in the beginning, so it refers us back to Genesis. And one of the other things I was thinking about was, actually, so Christmas in John's gospel is really on a on a cosmic scale. It's on a huge scale. So, you know, sometimes for us, Christmas is a huge event for families. You know, it's planned for weeks in advance. And, in you know, in our culture, the shop the shops plan for months in advance I mean, you know maybe even years you know planning about what what they're going to sell in the next year in the build-up to christmas certainly fashion does that fashion plans a whole year in advance. yeah so you you have this sort of planning and atmosphere of anticipation for christmas and you can't help but be caught up in it in this preparation you're drawn into it you know you have decorations and toys and you have the music playing everywhere you have oh, the, the, the food that's on sale in the shops mm. in the supermarkets you know it's everywhere and i think actually this there's this beautiful sort of anticipation of the culture for for christmas and i think that points to how significant christmas is for christmas is is bigger it's an even bigger event than the world even makes it out to be at this time of year yes. you know christmas is this cosmic event which john's opening line refers to in the beginning was the word and that sentence as you said obviously refers back to echoes back to genesis's opening line mm -hmm. the opening line in of the, the beginning Bible. yes in the beginning yeah in the beginning was the word so john is saying that the arrival of jesus is a new beginning for this for this broken world and for us too, at this time of year, Christmas is a time to hit refresh. It's a time to start over. It's a time to be able to to, to gear up during Advent, gear up for this arrival of this of this baby. Yes, I mean we've hopefully repented of all those sort of wrongs and sort of prepared our hearts to welcome the Christ Child. Prepared our heart to to welcome Christ ruling and living in us in our lives as temples of the, of the holy spirit to prepare us to move 
to move on beyond uh, repentance into rejoicing when Christ comes to, to dwell within us. And of course, he comes to dwell within us every time we go and receive the Eucharist, every time we go to Mass and we receive the, the body and blood of Christ. You know, Christ comes and tabernacles in our very being. You know, what is it we say just before we receive Holy Communion? Lord, uh, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. And what does Christ do? He doesn't just sort of, you know, give a word sort of externally to, to sort of say, yes, great, okay, then I'll just sort of say the word. He gives us himself. The word comes to us and we consume the word. We consume the word of God. We consume the flesh of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist and God dwells within us then you know the entire body blood soul and divinity of jesus christ comes and dwells within our very body to conform us to him to conform us to his to him to himself so then that way it's not just that we can be christ to others that we that we are christ to others you know so yeah i i, I completely agree with you basically <laughs> uh, and, and it really tr truly going back to those some of the the music that you were talking about uh, and the sort of excitement and all the rest of it. You're, you're quite right. All of these things have cosmic significance. Why is it Christ comes to dwell with us? Well, Thomas Aquinas says he comes to dwell with us for the forgiveness of sins because we need it. You know, we need it. Blessed Duns Scotus goes one step further than Thomas Aquinas and said, well, even if we didn't need it, he loves us so much that he'd come anyway. And as much as I'm a Dominican, I have to admit, I, in this respect at least, uh, I would say that I'm incredibly sympathetic to Blessed Duns Scotus. Of course, Blessed Duns Scotus was a student here in Oxford, just as I am. So I do have a lot in common with Scotus as well. But yeah, I would say that it's, it's beautiful. You know, God so loves his people that he comes to dwell with us and he saves us from our sins through his incarnation, as well as through his crucifixion and death and, and through his resurrection, you know? So it, it truly is the most wonderful time of the year. It truly is. <laughs> How many uh, Christmas songs can we reference? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully a few more before the time is out. I hope so. There's another thing I just I just wanted to mention. You know, in Matthew and Luke's gospel, we were talking about how he, he sort of he subverts the narrative he flips the narrative mm. on the, on its head so you start with very powerful figures and then he, he um so matthew and luke they flip the the narrative and then they start talking about this baby king who's mm. going to to be born or the the king of the world is going to be born well i think john does a similar thing so he he talks about jesus as the source of life and he shows that he's the creator of all things and then he talks about you know things that have cosmic significance like the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world and he was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him That's, isn't that exciting right it's not just that the king returns and that he comes as savior which he does but this is also the creator of the starry universe the one who formed all things to be nothing came into being outside of him he is the king of kings and the lord of lords and he is the the, the holy one of israel you know uh, there's this great view of, of, of providence and behind providence is stood Christ himself. Uh, it, it's wonderful. The creator of the starry universe takes on flesh for us. Yeah. And, and the powerful one with, you know, he's the most powerful one. he creates everything. He sustains it. He's the source of life. And yet he chooses to be born a babe in order to yeah. dwell amongst and us. And why? John tells us in chapter three, doesn't he? He says, you know, for love. 
He dies for us for love. He comes to be with us for love and to save us from our sins. You find this in John chapter 3. And then later on in the gospel, I think it's John 10, 10, you have, um, you know, I came that you might have life and life in all its fullness. It's all the... It's all saying the same thing, really. You know, he comes that we might have life and light and uh, grace and truth, that we might be united to him. And all of this is done out of love. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Going off on one now. No, but it's true. I mean, the the Christmas truth, if you like, the the true Christmas story is that the God who who made each of us, who made you, Brother Thomas, who who made each of us. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) That that this God who made you is that he's interested in you and he's interactive with the human race so he doesn't he doesn't stand far off as like someone who creates the world and leaves it to it no that he he loves and cares for you brother thomas he loves and cares for each of our listeners and desires to to save them you know just like don scotus says john uh what's it blessed don scotus as as he said there that god chooses he would choose to come and dwell amongst us out of love well out of love he comes to 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 dwell with us in order to save us in order to offer this gift of salvation and you and you see throughout the gospels don't you like who is it christ christ comes for who is it that christ comes to save the people who need it most you know and that should cause us to sort of wake up and smell the coffee in our own lives you know how many people do i sort of cast off or reject because actually you know they are in need of love most they are in need of a savior most these are the people who i should be closest to in my life you know just going back on something that you just said there about you know this is the creator of the story universe and the, and the creator of the world and, and things you know becoming flesh out of love for us that's actually a really profound point because very often when people think about the creation of the world and the creation of the universe they just think about god as creator and uh when they think when when they say you know oh well you know god creates the world the, what the, who they're thinking of there very often is just the father the father alone right very often when people just say oh you know well you have god and you have jesus and you have the holy spirit they're thinking they're using god there as a, as a sort of placeholder for the father but of course the son is also god jesus is also god the holy spirit is also god so when we say god creates the world what we're saying there is the father the son and the holy spirit create the world together that's an important point it's not the father alone who creates it's the trinity it's god complete you know and that here is where we want to emphasize the oneness of god you know the father is god but it's not the son or the holy spirit the son is god but it's not the father or the holy spirit and the holy spirit is god but it's not the son or the father you know so well i think that's one of the things that john is emphasizing now is that actually the, the jesus this baby who, who's born for us our savior is also god and it's not just human flesh that he takes on he, he it's not just a human nature a divine nature as well so Absolutely. he takes us back to before the created world before the world was even created this this word yeah. spoke and things were created you know that's how powerful he is it's you know the word that's used in greek there is logos and logos is a spoken word you're quite right it's a verb basically it's a the creative the creative spoken word of of god and it's interesting because of course if you if you go back to genesis of course you have this in in the creation narrative you have the spirit hovering over the waters you have the spoken word you know let there be light and there was light and 
who is it that's doing the speaking? Well, the father. So there you have the father, you have the spoken word, uh, the, the, the word who becomes flesh, Jesus Christ, and you have the spirit, all there in Genesis. But of course, this only becomes clearer to us in the light of Christ and what Christ reveals to us and teaches us about God, about God's own inner life, this trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this this trinity of, of divine persons. It's, yeah, fascinating stuff. And of course, the Son being the, uh, the self-disclosure, the divine self-disclosure or the revelation of God, the, the spoken word of God reveals who God is. Uh, and this is why we call, of, of course, Jesus the face of the Father. He reveals to us uh, not only his own identity, but the identity of the Father and the Spirit and their relationship to each other and their relationship to us. So you know, we mentioned uh, a few Christmas songs along along the way, along in, the, in this episode. There's there's another one. Um, I'm sure you, I'm sure you know it. Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh yes, I do. Do yeah. you know it? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so let me let me just read out the lyrics. Uh, there's so there's a reason why I mention it. Uh, so the the lyrics are: you, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making the list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's been naughty or nice. A bit creepy, isn't it? Yeah, don't I mean, cry. Yeah, it's I mean, a bit creepy. For some it? people, you know, Christmas is, Christmas is a very difficult time. I don't like it when people tell people not to cry. You know, if you need to cry, then yeah. cry. You know, God yeah. gave us a full range of emotions for a reason. Uh, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. But so there is, <laughs> Sorry. A, the, I mean, there's, there's, I think there's lots wrong with that particular song. But I, the reason why I mention it is because sometimes this is how we can think God is, that he gives to us salvation based on what we do. I mean, this is what the, these lyrics are saying. Mm. You better be good. You better not be naughty. Uh, if you're bad, then you're not going to... Or gonna... you won't get your presents. Exactly, yeah. But God, but God isn't like that. So it, God doesn't make notes on our behavior and whether we've been good enough to earn salvation. And, and John sort of describes it like this, that, that Jesus, in Jesus, one finds grace and truth. So none of us are, are worthy of, of God's love and mercy. I mean, you mentioned that phrase that we say in the mass that God, we're not worthy that you should enter under our roofs so we're, we're yes. not uh, we're not worthy that God will come and dwell amongst us but God offers us offers to us this greatest present you know one that we never deserved which is Jesus born into our lives and I think that's something which John makes the point he sort of unravels it as as he goes through his gospel uh, he mentions you, you have the quote John three sixteen. Uh, and, and then obviously in John 10, 10, that God comes to give us eternal life and life in abundance. What's, what's 3.16? Can you remember? For God so loves the world, he gave his only son, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is 3.16. But so, so that's, that's, I think that's the point that Jesus, uh, John has presented Jesus as the greatest present, your undeserved gift of salvation. Uh, and we then, as we receive this gift, we are transformed. So Jesus born into our lives transforms this Christmas season for us. And then we can go out and we can love as God loves. And and you know that love seeks to give. I mean, yes. love doesn't take. Love seeks to, to give. And we, as we've received God's love, we then seek to give God's love to, to other people. So I think that's a really important thing for us. It's something I'm trying to remember this this Christmas is that actually just the simplest gifts given given connected to, to God's 
love are, are transformed so just spending time mm. with someone being present in the moment to someone as they're as they're talking to you bishop Barron has a great uh homily that he posted very recently where he's talking about loving the people who god has given you to love so if you look around uh, your life and the people who you're surrounded by these are the people who god has put in your life to love I mean, it's, it's something that i've said many times myself um but yeah, I, so maybe I'd encourage people to go away and actually listen to that uh, homily, but I, I completely agree. One thing that I would say is that whilst I do think that love is a gift and uh, love is about giving and, you know, it's true, you know, that for those people who we love, you know, you give and you don't, you don't count the cost. Um, I think love is also about receiving, you know, at Christmas time, we might get some presents that we don't particularly like, um, but we're grateful and we're thankful and we we are joyful and we express joy because it's something that's freely given out of affection and out of love and so we accept it in the spirit that it's intended we accept it in love because we love the other person and it you know it might be a i don't know let's say it's an awful ornament and you know you put it on a mantelpiece somewhere um you Just know there's something you open my present <laughs> there's uh there's something that somebody gave me once and i remember when i first sort of, i mean it's, it's not it's not my sort of thing right it's not my sort of thing but it made me smile so much because it reminded me of them and every time i see it i sort of part of me just sort of thinks like oh gosh this looks awful and then i remember who it was who sent it to me and then i smile and you know I, there are just lots of little little things like that so i i do think you know love is about giving it's true and in that sense love is a choice but love is also about receiving and so on this point i would say be open to receiving god's love there are many people out there today who don't believe that they are worthy of god's love there are many people out there who are very conscious of their sin who are very conscious uh, of, of things that, you know, that they may have done wrong and maybe society has rejected, rejected them. Maybe they feel very lonely this Christmas time. But actually, God does love them. God loves them. God desired to be with them. God loved them so much that he sent his only son. He died for us. God was raised from the dead in the person of Jesus Christ for us. And all of this was done out of love. But again, we, we have to accept and be willing to accept God's love that we are actually lovable. We're not lovable because of something that we do or don't do. You're simply lovable just because, because God loves you. Someone once said to me, you know, oh, I, you know, I don't see what you see, you know, in, in this person, you know, how, how, how could you, you, how could you love this person? And I remember saying, you know, I don't have a particular reason i just do and there's something just sort of intrinsically lovable about them but actually that's true of every single human being in the world it's true of every single human being that ever was and every single human being that ever will be the only acceptable way to treat people the only the only thing that really people want in life really is love i mean there are all sorts of other things that that, that we want and that do matter but none are as important as love so um yeah, I would say, you know, this Christmas, accept, accept that you're lovable because God has told you that you're lovable and shown you that you're lovable. God has shown you that you're lovable. 
at Christmas time by becoming a baby for you. Wonderful. There we are. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for those words, Brother Thomas. It's very true. And have a wonderful Christmas. Yeah, Merry to Christmas. All our listeners. <laughs> Merry Christmas. We'll keep you in your prayers. Pray for us. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a little break and we'll be back in mm. the, the new year with some more episodes. So have a, have a wonderful Christmas and a blessed new year as well. Merry Christmas. God bless. God bless.